was the AMD announcement as hype as we remember? Or was, was it not, not all that big? Also, the Intel announcements also from Computex as well. All the various little this and that's at Computex. Plus, the Huawei news and Microsoft wanting your PC to be like an Xbox. All of that coming up in Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's time good already. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. That definitely needed to be optimized a little bit better. I'm not gonna lie, but. It's too late. It's 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 there now. Comp as I said, Computex, 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 Computex. So much was announced there, and at the same time, whoo, quite a bit of other news. In fact, just this morning, and what actually delayed the recording of this podcast was breaking news. From the Apple rumor mill claiming that iTunes is going to be shut down. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not. We'll talk more about that later. And also why this is just an egregious example of misreporting. But let's get to the Computex news first. If you haven't heard by now, and in fact we actually we mostly talked about it last week on Eagle Eyes on Tech... But now that the dust has settled, we want to go over it again. The Ryzen 3000 series processors has been announced. There are five, count them, five CPUs that will be launched with it. More will be coming down the road. But the key things to take away with it, with it is that the highest end one will be a 12, 12, 12 core processor for 500 bucks, which can turbo up to 4.6 gigahertz and include... PCI Express Generation 4, which would be the first time in either a long time or ever that AMD has introduced a new computer standard before Intel. Normally, whenever there's any sort of standard, it's the Intel processors that introduce them. This time it's AMD, and I'm sure someone in the chat right now is typing and saying, well, actually, AMD introduced this, that, and the other thing back in the Athlon era because they were awesome in the Athlon era. And you're probably right. But this is the first time since... Yeah, see, already. See, someone's correcting me. And, this is, and I actually feel ashamed because this is something I should have known. AMD was the first to get a 64-bit processor out. With the AMD 64, or the Athlon 64. Yes, thank you, F-Fight. I knew that co- that statement couldn't have been correct. But it's the, the first consumer processor. Yes, yes, yes. Can, can, you, can you tell I'm a bit flustered this morning? This is literally overwhelming, how much there is to talk about today. But yeah. AMD... First to introduce PCI Express 4.0. Then it's all going to be launched July 7th. 
AMD introduced failure and Intel is copying that now. Wow. Chat not only being informative, but savage. And honestly, right now, PCI Express 4.0 isn't all that big a deal for the average consumer. And that's the key. The average consumer. Because for the most part, graphic cards right now can't take advantage of PCI Express 4.0. Graphic cards aren't going to be able to take advantage of PCI Express 4.0. Graphic cards can barely take advantage of half of what's available in PCI Express 3.0. The only thing right now that can take full advantage of PCI Express 4.0 are super high-end SSDs. In fact, I believe it's Corsair. Nope, Gigabyte at Computex also introduced a PCI Express 4.0 M2 SSD that can do transfer rates at 5 gigabytes per second. Not gigabits, gigabytes. That's an entire DVD worth of data in a second. In fact, more than a DVD's worth. An entire 4K movie transferred in less than a minute. That is absurd. But for the average user, they're not going to really use that. Professionals, on the other hand, like professional movie editors that are dealing with hundreds of gigabytes of foot footage and editing. Oh, I guarantee you, they are clawing at their screens right now, begging and saying, gimme, gimme, gimme now. Oh, boy. Unjust in the chat says, maybe mining raids can take advantage of PCI Express 4. No, actually. Here's a fun fact for you. Uh, Mining rigs only used one lane of PCI Express 3.0 in order to communicate with the graphic card to do the mining. Mining actually required very little bandwidth on the PCI Express bridge. So... Mining, as dead as it is, would not see any benefit from PCI Express 4.0. Although that does raise the question, does Bitcoin mining take advantage of ray tracing? Because if it does, that might be the only thing that does. But um, Well, yeah, now that the dust has settled, is this announcement actually that major? It is and it isn't. For the future of AMD, it is. Because it's clearly the first time that AMD, if their numbers are correct, and that's the key thing, their performance numbers they're showcasing right now shows them surpassing Intel in gaming. And if that's true, which is currently Ryzen's weakness, in air quotes then that leaves Intel just being the leader in price and nothing else. Maybe it'll actually mean that system builders will start using more Ryzen parts. 
Maybe. I'd like to see it. Especially since, you know, it's better performance per dollar by far. And just as leader in data centers, except a lot of the biggest data centers right now are are switching over to AMD Epic. Right now, AMD is actually poised to overtake them in that too. It's actually crazy. In just a few short years, the tables are turning very quickly. In addition to Computex, of course, with that, tons of motherboards were released for the new Ryzen 3000 processor. And this is also telling, the fact that there are tons of boards out there supporting this. That means the manufacturers also have high hopes that AMD is going to be adopted widely among the system building community. And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Especially since... I mean, could you imagine a 12-core... I mean, 12-core processor with a freaking... High-end video card in, like, a little ITX format. This could be crazy. I cannot wait for July for these processes to start coming out. And just to see if there's going to be a huge influx in these processors. Big, big stuff. We also got a little bit more information about the new AMD graphic card, but uh, nothing that makes us go, ooh. It's pretty much just, it exists. It's going to be called the Radeon RX 5000 series. And they're saying that the unnamed... RX 5700 graphic card will be delivering similar performance to the RTX 2070. Does that mean that that's going to be the best they can offer? I don't know. In fact, really, the only thing to take away from the the whole Navi announcement is the fact that, yes, it exists, and we will find out more at E3. There was literally no other information to take away from this. A lot of people were saying that um, this pretty much confirms that Navi will not have real-time ray tracing. I haven't found any evidence to say that that's confirmed. None as of yet. Meanwhile... Over on the Intel side of things, Intel released the Core i9-9900KS, a slightly higher and faster clock speed version of the Core i9-9900. Which will more than likely cost a little bit more than the Core i9-9900. 
Which then makes you wonder, what was the point? The point was simple. It's a new, fastest gaming processor that you should totally open up your wallet for and get. Uh, here's a pro tip. Don't. You absolutely should not get this. Even if you are desperate for a new gaming CPU, just just hold your wallet closed for a little more than a month. Wait for the benchmarks to come out. Because I'm willing to bet that those AMD Ryzen processors are probably going to be a more compelling buy. This whole thing just kind of reeks of desperation, doesn't it? Like, Intel came here as just like, oh, AMD's going to be announcing some performance powerhouses? Uh, um, uh, uh, uh. Scribble down on a cocktail on that end. 9900KS! I would not be surprised at all if, if like, the, the Intel... The Intel reps up there just literally held up a cocktail nap- napkin saying 9900KS. Like, here's what we're planning. Alright, now all joking aside, there were actually some important releases from Intel. The new Ice Lake mobile processors. These laptop processors... Finally, after 10,000 years, prove that Intel can, in fact, make a 10 nanometer processor. Four years later than they claimed they were going to. The Ice Lake processors, these are the official 10th generation processors. Finally giving us our talk in the TikTok. What would you call it? Planning? I don't know. And they claim that the Ice Lake integrated graphics will be as good as AMD's. Okay. You do that. I mean, honestly, integrated graphics, who, I know they're important, but at the same time, like, ooh, I'm going to buy a processor for the integrated graphics. You get a processor because you need a processor. The integrated graphics are a bonus. And also make it so that on your basic system, you don't need to go get a GTX 1650 But there you have it. 10 nanometers, finally accomplished. By the way, did I forget to mention that the Ryzen 3000 series is a 7 nanometer processor? Oops. Yeah, the Ryzen Ryzen 3000 series is in fact a 7 nanometer processor. Which means that Intel is at least one step behind... 
in the nanometer department. But but you know what? Bravo, Intel. Bravo. I can't make fun of you anymore for not being able to get to 10 nanometers when literally everyone else in the industry found a way to do it. So, bravo. And then, to be perfectly honest, the only other thing that Intel really showed off was a prototype dual-screen laptop that was just bizarre. So this is going to be a little hard to describe over audio only, but I'm going to try my best. I want you to imagine a laptop, okay? The screen is normal, but the keyboard area, the keyboard and trackpad are shoved all the way to the front edge. You have the normal keyboard, and then where you have your numpad is the is the trackpad. The space between the keyboard and the hinge is replaced with another screen and another hinge between that second screen and the keyboard. So it could tilt up in addition to another hinge between that screen and the other screen. So there's two hinges in this um in this laptop. And actually F fight remi- reminds me. This is actually this actually is a mildly important note. Uh the new Ice Lake CPUs Intel claims is immune to zombie load. The newest vulnerability in every single Intel CPU from Sandy Bridge onward. So back to the concept dual screen laptop. It basically means this laptop, you can have the second screen tilt up and then have the other screen also tilt above that. And the hinges are so strong it can support all that weight. Right, right, right. I should also clarify those uh, CPUs are only vulnerable if hyperthreading is on. So with Ice Lake, you can still have hyperthreading on and zombie load will not affect it. I feel like this podcast should just have asterisk, 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 asterisk. Just like a small chain of asterisks. Then it's just at the very end of the podcast going, only affected if if hyper-threading is present. Compared to last year's generation. The podcaster is actually a twit. Please ignore this statement. But, in, in, in any case, the concept laptop that Intel is showing here is interesting. I honestly don't know what to think about it, to be perfectly honest. I I like the design. But as someone who looks at computers and the design from a repairability, from a maintenance standpoint, and a how long is this thing going to last 
Because whenever I get any sort of computer, one of the first things I ask is, if I'm spending X amount of dollars, how long will this computer be relevant? And most systems nowadays, I mean, the power under the hood is going to be relevant for a long time. But those two hinges, I hope those are some good, good hinges. I hope they last. Also, in other news, which no one can actually tell me if this was showed off at Computex or not, but it's still an interesting bit of news. The latest Qualcomm Snapdragon processor underline smashes the Intel Core i5 and the new PC Mark 10 benchmark. So the newest high-end Snapdragon processor can beat out a Core i9. The thing that annoys me about this article, it doesn't say which Core i9 or Core i5. Did I say Core i9 this whole time? I meant Core i5. What does it matter? A Core i5 is a Core i5. It absolutely isn't. If this is one of those like little 7 watt Core i5s, that means it's a dual core running at like 1. nothing gigahertz. And honestly, at that if if it was one of those processors, I would expect a snail with cheese sprinkled on top to beat it. I am not a fan of that 7-watt part. It is just awful to work with. It's fine for, like, YouTube watching, and that's about it. You try doing a lot more complicated versions of that, it's like, eh. Aren't there, like, different eight different versions of the i5? It's even worse than that. We've had, like... Now 10 different generations of i5s. And in a lot of them, there are two or three different versions of the i5. There's the ultra-low voltage i5. There's the power-sipping 7-watt i5s. They're even slower. There's the mobile i5s. Then there's the desktop i5s. Like, literally, the word i5 and i7 have lost almost all meaning since, like, core generation 4. Even the i9 is starting to get to that point. But it's not quite yet. Okay, no, actually, finally, halfway down the article, they admit the processor they faced up against was the Core i5-8250U. So they went up against a one, now two-generation-old processor. This particular one they're up against is a 15-watt part. It is a quad-core chip, and its base clock speed is 1.6 gigahertz. And in fact, depending on the thing, can be as low as 800 megahertz. 
And in the end, the overall score, it beats out the Core i5 by about 650 points. So by by about a little over 10%. But here's the last point I want to make on this. Despite the fact that the headline beats out a Core i5 is misleading. I honestly hate comparing ARM processors to x86 processors. It doesn't feel like a fair comparison. Because they have two completely different workloads. Yeah, both of them can run Windows 10, and I believe that's what they used here for this test. In fact, actually on this test, they also used... um, The i5 was on a 2K display, and the Snapdragon was on a HD display. So the Qualcomm had less pixels to power too. The more you look into this, the less it matters. But this is the kind of reporting you deal with. Trying to push this narrative that ARM is the future and x86 is irrelevant. It's not. They have two completely different workloads. And in fact, yes, one day, ARM may in fact bring x86 into complete obsolescence. But for right now, x86 still brushes ARM on the whole thing of big workloads. For ARM to even compete with an x86, you need a lot, underline a lot, of those ARM chips working together to compete. And if the task is not going to benefit from that many cores, the x86 one's going to win every time. It's like me saying my wrench is better for hammering in a nail than a hammer. Or that my hammer wasn't nearly as good at screwing in a bolt as my wrench. It's two different tools for two completely different tasks. But I'm getting distracted. ARM also announced... The new Cortex-A77 CPU and Mali-G77 GPU for your next phones. They're talking about a 20% improvement in performance, a 30% improvement in battery life. And, I actually know they're talking 30% more improvement. The GPU promising a 40% improvement over the previous generation GPU. So, next year's phones could be faster. But on that same note, 
you know what really, really needs to happen with phones? Some optimization of the software. I'm sorry, but one of the things that actually really annoys me right now with my with my phone, for those who don't know, I recently sw- I I was on an iPhone for about three years, and I recently switched back to Android. The iPhone experience wasn't all it was cracked up to be, but man. Man, oh man, oh man. Did, um, do apps just fail to load on Android? I'd swear, every time I have to fire up iHeartRadio, just for example, I have to load it three times. Because the first two, it just hangs. Like, before we even talk about how good of an improvement we get on processors, which is important, mind you. I am not saying that it's not important. But before we even talk about how great that is, some tweaking, some perf- some uh, some stability issues need to be addressed behind the scenes with things like Android. And even with iOS 2. Unjust says he doesn't have those issues with Android, and you have something close to stock. Okay, I'm not saying it's just Google. Anyone in the Android space, this sort of thing, like, needs to be addressed. Because it is just getting to the point of being silly. It really is. Alright, and finally, before we get to our first break... Here's a, here's a fun little uh, bit of news that kind of leaked out during uh, Computex. Several trademarks were filed on behalf of NVIDIA to try and block AMD from taking the name RX3080. So one thing that's actually been kind of... That's been kind of silly that AMD's been kind of been up to, and you've seen it with Intel, is that they look at who their competition is in, in that space and try to name their product, like, one series newer than their competition. Or even just copying their marketing strategy entirely. So, like, AMD tried to completely copy the numbering scheme of NVIDIA when they switched to, like, the RX 270, the 280s, the 360s, 370s, 380s, that sort of thing. And there were, in fact, rumors that AMD was going to call their their GPUs the RX 3080. And if you remember when I reported on that, I groaned because it was going to be so dumb. And yes, even on the processor side, AMD does that. I mean, we have the Ryzen 5, 7, 9. It's not that hard to figure out. You know, the Ryzen R5. Oh yeah, that sounds a lot like the i5. Except it's R. 
and even their chipsets were labeled exactly like Intel's, except with an X and 100 higher. Oh, wow, it's my brand new Intel Z370 motherboard. Or I can get an AMD X470. Honestly, I'm not a fan of this strategy at all. I think it's super obnoxious. Like you're dealing with a five-year-old. But, I mean, it works enough that that NVIDIA went ahead and filed some trademarks to stop exactly that. I do want to meet that person, though. The person that just goes, Ooh, I want to make sure... That, ooh, I mean, that one's a thousand higher. I should get that one, even though it's by a completely different manufacturer. Let's not do any more research. Just, just get the thirty-eight eighty over the twenty-eighty, because it's one thousand higher. That is not a smart choice. When we come back, we got to talk about the various laptops at Computex: the winners, the losers, and the betrayals. And Huawei after that. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, we've got some, uh, some odd laptops that came out. But at the same time, uh, they're very interesting. For example, Asus is bringing back the touchscreen trackpad. This was a concept they had on a laptop that uh, was cute in a few demos, but really went nowhere. Basically how it works now is that the trackpad, it's a normal laptop, but... Where the trackpad is, there's a touchscreen. And now, that touchscreen runs an Android-esque control center where you can do minor things like run your media player, open a calculator, do some basic things like that, and a lot more. Now, honestly, I look at this and I I like this. I like this a lot more than, say, the. in fact, Unjust Banana managed to beat me to it and saying it's a lot like the MacBook Pro's touch bar, except because it's, you know, taller and can display more information than a quarter of an inch tall little touchscreen actually produce useful information and a useful UI. Wow! What a thought! Isn't that crazy? I'd like to see more of this. It's interesting. It actually is interesting, unlike 
the MacBook Pro iteration, which didn't do anything other than put emojis on it and piss me off. Now, if only the laptop also had, like, a little bit of power under it. Like, I could see this actually being useful in, like, a Volvo workstation sort of thing. Built into your trackpad, you can just ha- have little shortcuts when you're, while you're doing video editing or CAD work. Ooh. That would be nice. Now, unfortunately, the touchscreen trackpad does not work as a second screen. There is, however, another laptop that does. And I'm actually now suddenly not even sure. Do I have that second laptop? I do not. There is another laptop that that uh, Asus showed, and I don't actually have the article in front in front of me, and that's that's my fault. It's Computex, man. There there is a literally literally the everything is just kind of dumped on your lap. But much like the Intel Concept one, the keyboard and trackpad were pushed down to the edge, and then the space between the keyboard and the laptop was turned into a touchscreen. Except it didn't have the double hinge sort of thing like the Intel one did. And that one actually worked as a second screen. That was just detected by the computer as a second screen. Much like the Intel one, except there's no second hinge, which means no second point of failure. Asus also introduced the leather and gold ZenBook 30 which was designed to be as over the top luxury pretty laptop as it possibly could and I mean on on one hand I can kind of appreciate that You, you want a nice like something that's going to get a big wow factor when you show up at a big business meeting. But there is one thing I want to point out. The logo they chose for this is just an arrow. Like the iconic one the the iconic logo they made is is just an arrow and honestly it looks like one of the, and then Unjust Banana beats me with my own joke again. It looks like the symbol from Star Trek. It li- it literally does. <laughs> it's a freaking Star Trek laptop, except with white letter, letter leather. The other thing is that it's also going to be housing a Core i7 processor. Okay, that's pretty nice. And a GeForce MX250 GPU. So you'll have some discrete graphic card performance in there as well. Not enough to really do some really high-end gaming. But still better than, say, your basic Intel graphics. Which, you know, for a show-off laptop you go to a big business meeting with and you want to show off... 
it just gives you that little bit of a higher up edge. You know, until that competitor shows up at the same meeting with an Alienware. You know, just to be different. The price, I believe, is unknown. Yep, the pr- no pricing or release date, re- release date is known as of yet. There is a good chance this thing only existed to catch attention at Computext. I'm also realizing my things are out of order here. One of the things that was also announced at uh, Computex, and I actually have a feeling that I accidentally deleted the tab for this. NVIDIA did release their mobile Quadro GPUs. These are the these are the GPUs that are designed for professional use and also present real-time ray tracing. As a result, Computex actually was littered with new mobile workstations, which is kind of rare for Computex. Normally at Computex, what the entire show floor is are over-the-top hand-built computer cases with what might as well be a water show's worth of liquid cooling. In fact, there even was a uniquely cooled system that pumped liquid nitrogen vapor onto the computer. And because it pumped so much in, it replaced all the air inside the case with liquid nitrogen, so there was no condensation. And keep it cool enough to do extreme overclocking at the same time. And also let just enough of the vapors out to give a very cool misting effect. And also to keep the box from reaching critical temperatures. That's the kind of thing you normally see at Computex. But this time around you are seeing companies like Razer. With MacBook Pro clones. That cost the same as a MacBook Pro, but actually had this crazy thing called cooling. In addition to having this crazy thing called actual graphics. While at the same time still having Apple's signature all-metal look. It all looked very nice, and there were multiple different people who had this, including even Acer. Acer is now in the professional laptop business, which is terrifying to me. So with that, we're going to move on over to Dell, who did not show off new mobile workstations, but did show off new Alienware laptops. New versions of the M15 and M17 laptops, which is a 15-inch thin and light gaming laptop and a 17-inch thin and light gaming laptop. Both of these were praised for finally entering the thin and light and portable gaming laptop space. So now even gamers don't need to actually have actual strength when lifting one of these things. So it's nice, it's portable, it's got plenty of horsepower under there and mediocre battery life. The design looks take straight from the Area 51, which... I like for the most part, although I wish there was 
a black version. Like, really, the high-end version of the Area 51M are only white. If you want black, you have to get a worse laptop. That makes no sense to me. But I digress. So, what's so special about these Alienware laptops, then? I mean, okay, fine. They run the newest processors. They have the highest-end CPUs available. And they're nice and thin. What's the What's the catch? Remember how the Area 51M I praised for being fully upgradable? Even the GPU was was, uh, modular and the CPU could be upgraded if you so chose. The only thing upgradable on the M15 and M17 are the M2 storage drives. That's it. And the battery, I guess. The CPU, as far as we're aware, is soldered onto the board. The GPU is soldered onto the board. And yes... Even the RAM, one of the most common things to fail first on a computer, is soldered onto the board. This this infuriates me. It's one thing to make all those components solder on the board when you buy a computer for less than a thousand. It still sucks, and I still wouldn't do it. But when you do it to a multiple thousand dollar quote unquote investment, like a gaming laptop. It feels like a slap in the face. Because it is basically telling you that no matter what you do, this is what you're stuck with. When this computer becomes obsolete, that's it. If there's any other RAM vulnerability that's discovered, which requires Chrome to once again double up on the amount of RAM it has to take in order to prevent major exploits from being taken advantage of. That's it. Game over. That's all she wrote. You get nothing. I'm sorry, but... This is infuriating. It really is to me. It's the fact that Alienware tried to make a huge statement by saying, we're going to make laptops that are fully modular. But then 
just four months later, just five months later, completely stomp on that statement with these two. It just doesn't feel right, you know? And before you start giving me the excuse of, well, it's all to make it thinner. What about thinner? This is Alienware we're talking about. These are the guys that fought for the longest time to keep their laptops thicker for the sole purpose of cooling and reliability. And then after years of that kind of mentality, they give up. The other thing I also noticed is that their 13-inch laptops are gone. Which, that'd be the one case I would forgive them. If they went and soldered everything onto the board on a 13-inch, I'd forgive that. Because their space is a serious issue. On a 15 and 17 inch, really? It's not Alienware, it's Dell. But Alienware is part of Dell. And even while Alienware... Alienware has been a part of Dell since... Freaking 2006. And they have stuck to that mission. Even after being bought by Dell. And before we even start going, oh, they were better when they were just themselves. They were buying Clevo laptops for crying out loud. Dell buying Alienware was probably the best thing that actually happened to Alienware because that meant they got Dell's resources for building. And for the most part, Dell let Alienware do what Alienware does best. With occasionally a bad choice here and there. And this is one of them. That being said, though, MSI also pushed out some very interesting laptops too. I can't comment a whole lot about them because I don't know how they are constructed yet. Also, during the week, some rumors started popping up about there possibly being a new Windows 10 version. A Windows Home Ultra version. A version of Windows 10. That would be better than what you had and all sorts of amazing features and would cut off support for your current Windows 10 computer. <gasps> That'd be crazy. Oh, by the way, Microsoft straight up said, no, stop that. There is no Windows 10 Ultra. Just like there's no Pokemon Sleep. Oh, wait, yes, there is. So, there are three new Pokemon, quote-unquote, services and game. I don't know what to call it. So, 
we have Pokemon Home that was announced, which is a service that allows you to transfer ga- uh, Pokemon from earlier games into more modern ones. It's basically just like a cloud holding box for your Pokemon. So you can get Pokemon from all the way back in the Game Boy era onto your new games. Now, that being said, it's from that era, not not your level 255 Mewtwo that you went and made thanks to the Cinnabar Island Coast glitch. No, you can't transfer that into a new game. That's crazy. Pricing for Pokemon Home has not been announced yet. Pokemon Masters was also announced, which is going to be a mobile game coming out to phone that's going to be very Fire Emblem-esque. We'll find out more information about that soon. And then the one that everyone talked about, Pokemon Sleep. An accessory you can buy and place on your bed. And it will help raise the Pokemon that is transferred into the device based on how well you sleep. Um. What? So apparently sleep tracking's a ma- a big thing on the eastern half of the world. Like sleep tracking is apparently huge and how well you sleep. <laughs> and I ch- not being on that side of the cultural barrier, I just don't understand. Maybe it's also because my bed's probably not really big enough for both me and some other device. I, I'd be way too afraid I'd just kick it out of bed and just send it sailing across the room. Or actually, a better question would be, why wouldn't I just put a Pokemon in it and just let it sit on a table? Just put it in a time capsule. Just let it sit. And never do anything, never move. Just like, wow, you're the best sleeper ever. Like, what's stopping anyone from cheating this? This seems highly abusable to me. But there you go. Three Pokemon announcements that really did seem like they came out of nowhere. Oh, well, and that, there's actually one more piece of Computex news I actually do want to talk about that I did forget to actually grab an article on. And that is the Corsair Waterloop announcements. Corsair has officially launched their own custom water cooling kit, including pumps, reservoirs, tubing, fittings, water blocks, both for CPU and GPU, and radiators. 
So now Corsair, who pretty much was like, did power supplies, RAM, cases, is now doing custom water cooling. Now, I said in an early bird briefing this came out of nowhere, but apparently those who were more in the in the know for custom water cooling heard rumblings about this very early on. Uh, Corsair wanting to get in, into the space. And in fact, Corsair does also make all-in-one water cooling systems where it's just a single unit. You just mount it onto your CPU, mount the radiator, and it's all sealed, no maintenance required, etc., etc. But but with the new water cooling kit, you can go ahead and try to water cool any system you want. If you want to get creative, you could try and water cool something like my HP workstation. Just just mount that just mount up the two Xeons. Zip tie a a, a reservoir in there because there's no place to mount it. And just realize you have a major problem because there's no way to trick the system into thinking there's actually a CPU fan plugged in without there actually being a CPU fan in there. Okay, so maybe that would be a bad idea. And yes. Thank you for reminding me on just unintentionally. Yes, it is in fact all RGB. The blocks have RGB in it. The reservoir has RGB. The fittings and the piping and the radiators do not. But you could put RGB fans on the radiators, and then you have RGB there too. And there were also some very interesting design choices on the Corsair system. Like the GPU blocks had interchangeable heat transfer units. Normally when you make a GPU water block, you mill the entire thing out of one block of of, uh, whatever the material is. Whether it be aluminum, copper with a nickel plating on it, whatever. Corsair instead screws in a component for like a CPU water block to get better cooling rather than doing it the other way. And time will tell whether that's better or not. But it is a very clever solution to that. All right, we're going to take another break when we come back. Huawei. Oh, Huawei. And the iTunes breaking news that broke before we started recording this podcast. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon, starting hour two. And so we 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 have to talk about it. I've been putting it off all week on the early bird briefing. We have to talk about Huawei. So I'm not a fan of Huawei. I'm not. Between 
all the rumors, the stories, the speculation of them stealing the of stealing intellectual property and them spying. One having a lot more evidence than the other, the theft over the spying. They're not a company I trust. Like at all. So the ban I don't feel bad for them. I really don't. But then at the same time, they go ahead and just go, you know, we're going to go take the entire U.S. government to court claiming that the ban is unconstitutional. Really, Huawei? Really? With the amount of times that Huawei has been caught trying to seal secrets and intellectual property, you want to try and drag the law into this? I'll give you credit, Huawei. You got some balls. Now, that being said, at the time Huawei did this, the entire national ban has, in fact, been postponed. Although companies are still acting upon the impending ban. And when push comes to shove... American companies can choose who they do business with. No no one is forcing Huawei to, or forcing anyone to do business with Huawei. And you might be able to, then they might actually have a point. They might have a case for the entire ban being unconstitutional. It's quite possible. But at the same time, There's other companies that are just like, yeah, we're we're just out. Synopsis, for example, is no longer dealing with Huawei, which which cuts off Huawei's ability to try and design their own chip. Now, fortunately for Huawei, they did get access back to the ARM Association. And in fact, at the same time, they also got access back to the SD Association and the and Google's Android Q beta program. So for every down, there's also an up for Huawei here. But there's a couple of things that just seem kind of odd. I believe I actually talked about it last week, or it might have been during an early bird briefing. That Huawei is just straight up refusing to come to a negotiating table. Fine, you're you're angry about about the ban and whatnot, but wouldn't you at least want to at least come to the table? Wouldn't you at least want to talk about it? It's not just me, right? If someone wanted to actually say, hey, Eagle, you're banned from 
interacting with the rest of the tech community or you're banned from 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 talking to Twitch. Let you have to sit down and talk with us. I'd come to that meeting. I don't think I would I don't think I would ever well I mean uh, this is also a bad example because Huawei is a giant and I'm a nobody. But I don't think I would just take my ball and go home and just be like fine, I'm going off to make my own Twitch. I just don't get Huawei. I really don't. Part of it might have to do with the fact that the Huawei founder, who has a name that I cannot pronounce, but in this case, we're just going to call him Ren, because only his first name I have a prayer of pronouncing. He says he's an Apple fan. And that in itself might actually be the reason why Huawei is doing what they're doing. If they're looking to Apple for inspiration, maybe they're looking at this as a chance to just design everything in-house, just like Apple does. They see the success of Apple and just like, you know, we can do that. The only difference is that Apple makes mediocre hardware with superior software and sells it at a high premium. Huawei makes mediocre hardware with ingenious quote-unquote innovation. A good chunk of it is stolen from others and sells their equipment at a theoretical loss. I just don't get it. I also still want to know what the heck the story is with the fact that Huawei is apparently like the world's best provider of 5G equipment. Like that to me still makes no sense. How has no one else in the world been able to produce that equipment? When there's been so many other networking giants out there, you know? Huawei. Huawei of all people. I already talked about that one. And I already talked about that story as well. As well. So basically, things are are in the end looking up for Huawei. But in the end, this, the whole ban between, between Huawei and the U.S. is also looking bad from the, from the, for the future of it. Just because no one wants to talk. Well, the U.S. wants to talk. China, on the other hand, 
would rather just escalate things. I mean, I I try not to bring politics into this podcast at all. I, I really do try not to. But it's starting to look like this this trade war with China. It might be getting a little out of hand. And honestly, I don't know how you de-escalate this. And not come out looking like a fool. It really is starting to look like. Kind of like a bar fight that broke out because one guy took a pen back. All right, let's shift gears radically then. Microsoft is announcing the Xbox Game Pass will be available for the PC. So the Xbox Game Pass, if you don't know, this is a subscription service that lets you, with an Xbox, get access to a whole suite of games. And this Game Pass has been rumored to be coming onto other platforms. Now it is available for the PC as well. There's no word what the games will be. Well, there is some word. But it basically adds up to... I actually don't know how to how to look at this to be perfectly honest. Maybe that's just because when the Xbox Game Pass first was announced, the part of me that likes owning my own games just kind of snubbed it off. Cuz it just seemed like, "Oh, great. Now I can Frickin' have yet another subscription service, because I love those, and get a whole bunch of games I will never, ever play. And now it's available for the PC. Maybe I'm being a bit too close-minded about it. Maybe I actually do need to look a bit more into it. Maybe it actually is something that can be useful. But then again, because it is a service that they choose what's on it, the last thing I'd want to do is, say, start a brand new game on it, like Just Beats and Shapes, and then halfway through completing the story for for a stream, the game no longer being available. Uh, I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about the Xbox Game Pass and services like it. In other oddball news,
I'm sorry, I got distracted by a couple of uh, messages I ju- just received on the f- on the phone. Um, my my phone's been going nuts because my mother just announced that um they got a new dog. So my phone has been buzzing like a ton, like right now, as everyone's just been been uh, congratulating her on on the new dog. So yeah, mom, congratulations. All right, so getting back on topic, Microsoft is also announcing that more of Xbox games will be coming to Steam, saying that we believe you should have choice where you buy your PC games. So games that were normally only available in the Windows Store will also be available in Steam now. And and this is good. And I'm not just saying this because I prefer Steam over the Epic Game Store. Honestly, I would applaud Microsoft more if they also if they also brought these to the Epic Game Store as well. As weird as that sounds, I would I, I would be giving them a big old clap. But for this, I can't snub it. I'll give you a solid thumbs up. Good going. I am all in favor of actually having a choice where you buy games. Epic, looking at you. This is where this is actual competition, where you actually have a choice. Not this fake. We're totally giving you a choice, even though we're not. I'm sorry, the Epic Game Store really just does tick me off. So here's another odd story. Not entirely sure what to make of it. Here's the headline. Microsoft practically begs Windows users to fix the wormable blue keep flaw. Apparently there is a vulnerability that allows this worm to potentially cause massive infection among Windows machines. And of course, because Windows updates just kind of have this tendency to make hardware stop working when you update your Windows with it, that um, people just don't want to update Windows. But here's the problem. They patched this vulnerability weeks ago, but tons of people don't want to install the update because they're afraid it's going to brick hardware like it has in the past. So Microsoft is literally begging primarily business users to update Windows. All right, fine. I'll pass the word along. Hey, guys, update Windows. There, I've done my part. All right, let's get into Rumorville. Oh, rumor, 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 Bill. 
you provide me with some of the oddest news. Here's something from the rumor rumor mill. The Galaxy Note 10 will not have a headphone jack or a physical volume or power keys. The Galaxy Note 10. No buttons, no headphone jack. Just USB Type-C. I don't believe you. I think this makes no sense. The way Samsung has in the past done their phone updates is on a TikTok. So first they release the Galaxy S series. This is the tick. This is a new arc this is a new layout. They're they're brand, like they're they're pretty much their brand, brand new features. This is where you see things like an all-screen display with a hole punch out in the middle. Or a new underscreen fingerprint reader. Those sort of things. The Samsung Galaxy S is pretty much always the first to get those sort of features. The Note, which is the talk, refines that. They take those design, the design they had of the S, and then attach it to a bigger screen, and then they also improve on the stylus that comes with the Note that's iconic with it. And basically the Note ends up just becoming a professional and more powerful version of whatever the Galaxy S is. The Galaxy S, the Galaxy S10, prides itself on having a headphone jack. It prides itself on being no compromises. So why would the Note 10 do away with that? Oh, bigger phone. I guess we better get rid of the headphone jack. It makes no sense. I'm sorry, but the rumor mill here makes no sense. This stinks of no credibility. You know what else stinks? This headline. Yes, we're going to finally get to the breaking news that broke hours before I started the podcast. And in fact, this news completely caught me off guard as it was dropped in another streamer's Twitch chat. Because everyone read the headline and freaked. Here's the headline that multiple sources ran with. Apple is shutting down iTunes. You hear that headline, and you have any music on iTunes, you freak. Period. Whether you're an Apple user or not. Apple shutting down iTunes? That's Looney Tunes. So what's actually going on? First off, unlike what the headline implies, this is a rumor. Rumors citing leaks as their source. That Apple is shutting down iTunes. The leak further says 
that what is most likely to happen is that iTunes will be split into music, TV, and podcasts. Which would kill the initial iTunes app that originally had all of that combined into one and just split it. So what do I think? I think the rumor is credible. I do. I think this actually will happen. Because it already did happen on the iPhone. I'm serious. iTunes was already split up on the iPhone and on iOS. If you open up an iPhone, you will find that there is a music app, a TV and movies app, and a podcast app. There is no longer just a basic iTunes or an iPod player app like they're used to. It's been split. So it does not surprise me at all that on both macOS and on Windows, they're going to split iTunes. So that you can have one app focused solely on music, one app focused solely on TV, one app focused solely on podcasts. And more than likely, you're going to have one app focused solely on the Apple Arcade. I am certain this split is going to happen. But to say that iTunes is going to be shut down is irresponsible. Straight up. Because iTunes isn't being shut down. It is being rebranded. I guarantee you, if you have music and iTunes, you will most likely not lose it. It's instead going to be moved over to the Apple Music app. Because that's what iTunes is becoming. There's going to be no massive shutdown. There's going to be no massive panic or anything of that nature. It is a simple rebranding for simplicity. And it is most likely going to be announced in a couple of weeks during the WWDC keynote. So, highs nobiety. Engadget, CNET, and every other freaking outlet that ran with the terrible, irresponsible clickbait headline saying Apple is shutting down iTunes. Shame on you. Straight up, shame on you. You know better. And don't give me the, that's just to draw in views. No, it's irresponsible. Because your headline is a lie. It's not technically true, it is a lie. Because even according to the rumor, you're sor- you're, you're sourcing for this. You're, you're sourcing for Apple is shutting down iTunes. 
It does not say that iTunes being shut down. It is implying that's going to be rebranded and split. Oh yeah, and The Verge too. <sighs> so there. Can we please stop telling everyone else that iTunes is being shut down? All right, let's talk about something else. How about the fact that 5G is arriving in the UK and it is crazy fast? So in the UK, they have not banned Huawei from creating their 5G infrastructure. I don't know whether it's wise or not. But, uh, they have it. Cellular signals with the capability of up to one gigabit per second wirelessly. And, not gonna lie, I kinda want. But you know what? I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait for someone that's a bit more trustworthy than Huawei to go launch 5G. So in that regard, I'm kind of glad that the US is going to wait a little bit on the fi- on the 5G rollout just to make sure that it's done right with no vulnerable oh, god dang it Sprint why. Sprint has rolled out 5G into four more cities. Now unfortunately the the articles do not say where Sprint is getting their equipment from. And quite frankly, I don't think Sprint's going to tell anyone for a lot of reasons. But uh, yeah, Sprint now has 5G in Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, and Kansas City. And yes, Sprint's 5G coverage is in fact greater than both Verizon and AT&T. And before I know Unjust in the chat is typing this out as I speak, that he's going to try and say, but AT&T has 5G coverage covering the entire the entire nation, and in fact large chunks of the world, because AT&T 5G is just, is just 4G, but that's the point! This is real 5G. He actually didn't type it. I think he actually might might be AFK. <laughs> Maybe he went to get a sandwich instead of <laughs> instead of messing with me with that sort of stuff. So yeah, Sprint is rolling out more 5G. All while Sprint is trying to merge with T-Mobile to become one of the biggest cell providers rather than just being number 4 on the list. But You know who is trying to build up a mobile network and is aiming to try and become the fourth largest wireless carrier in the U.S.? Amazon. Apparently, Amazon is starting to build a wireless network by buying up Boost Mobile. 
Really? Um, I have a question, Amazon. Why? I guess that I'm never going to get an answer to that, am I? But there you go. Now you know. Um, uh, Amazon has not finalized the deal yet, of course. There's going to be a lot of steps in order to acquire in order for Amazon to acquire Boost. And I guess we're just going to wait and see to see if this is really going to go anywhere. I guess we will find out. Motorola is, however, showing off a new flagship phone. The Moto Z4 is going to be going on sale soon. This is going to be a 5G phone with a 48 megapixel camera, two days worth of battery life, and a headphone jack, a edge-to-edge screen with with a notch. All... For 500 bucks. Huh. No, honestly, that's, uh... That's kind of compelling. I'd actually love to see the reviews on that, because, I mean, those numbers on paper? That sounds... Great. I'm going to try and rush through the rest of this without taking a break. We're actually due for another one. But uh, we're going to say enough of that and just keep moving on. I'm going to make the executive choice to dump that story. The VR Pioneer's Elite Motion is being bought to Ultra Ultra Haptics. For reported $30 million. Leap Motion has been responsible for some of the early motion tracking hardware that does not involve controllers of any kind. So that actually could be useful in VR headsets as well. Ultra Haptics, on the other hand, I don't actually know what they do. There's a lot of speculation that it could be used for VR. Whether it be Leap Motion's VR tech or Ultra Haptics VR tech, I don't know. But it does mean that if you're buying Leap Motion, you're doing it for a reason. You don't just buy a company like that for no reason whatsoever. So we're going to have to see where that goes. The company known as North Face tries to scam Wikipedia in order to try and get its products at the top of Google search. So what it was doing was it was going through various articles and replacing pictures on those articles with ads of its own products and just started doing this to pretty much at random across Wikipedia 
in order to try and get that picture more exposure to make it come up first on Google searches. Uh, Naturally, Wikipedia caught on to this and said, no, stop it. You don't do that. Bad. Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) And instantly, many people just rolled their eyes and going, oh, God, what now? Actually, that's funny. There hasn't been any Facebook news this week. I just realized that. What went wrong? Mark Zuckerberg will be served a summons if he sets foot in Canada. So if Mark Zuckerberg heads off to Canada, he will be expected a summons from international lawmakers in Canada to be questioned about the operations of Facebook, their data collection, and most importantly... The security they use for said data. You know what? Part of me doesn't wish that upon any person. But somehow, somehow, Mark deserves it. He really, really does. Alright, and now for the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. A laptop filled with the most... Dangerous malware in the world is up for auction. So if you want a laptop so packed full of viruses, worms, malware, or anything, anything at all, we have this Samsung netbook. Filled to the brim with every single malware you can imagine, including the I Love You, My Doom, So Big, Wanna Cry, Dark Tequila, Dark Tequila, and Black Energy. Those six viruses have caused a record of $95 billion worth of damages. The the actual auction is titled The Persistence of Chaos. And what's even better, it is being marketed as art. That actually might be the first time I have heard of a laptop. A laptop being considered art. That's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free. To check out this podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, 
and also my daily podcast, Eagle, the Early Bird Briefing, as well as my Twitch account, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and have a great day. question is is there any way for containment to be broken on this laptop and infect the world once again with these ancient evils of the computer world laptop must be cast into fire so that it can may never harm anyone again